Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is negotiating conflict. Recovery is about more than walking away. Sometimes it means learning to stay and deal. It's about building and maintaining relationships that work. Problems and conflicts are part of life, and relationships with friends, family, loved ones, and at work, problem solving and conflict negotiation are skills we can inquire and improve with time. You know, this is really important part for me to realize that this is a skill and these are things that you improve on. You know, it's that progress, not perfection thing. Back to the reading. Not being willing to tackle and solve problems in relationships leads to unresolved feelings of anger and victimization. Terminated relationships, unresolved problems, and power plays that intensify the problem and waste time and energy. Not being willing to face and solve problems means we may run into that problem again. Some problems with people cannot be worked out in mutually satisfactory ways. Sometimes the problem is a boundary issue we have, and there is not room to negotiate. In that case, we need to clearly understand what we want and need and what our bottom line is. Some problems with people, though, can be worked out, worked through, and satisfactorily negotiated. Often, there are workable options for solving problems that we will not see, even see until we become open to the concept of working through problems and relationships rather than running from problems. Now, it's just really powerful here because running from a problem temporarily solves this problem, but it doesn't avoid running into the same problem again and again. Back to reading. To negotiate problems, we must be willing to identify the problem, let go of blame and shame, and focus on possible creative solutions. And I'm really at the point in recovery that To me, creativity and spirituality and God are all very closely linked. So it's not about having answers to a bunch of hypothetical what-if scenarios in the future. That's consulting, but that's not how life works. In fact, you could actually apply the creative solutions to consulting as well. So anyways, uh, back to the reading. To successfully negotiate and solve problems in relationships, We must have a sense of our bottom line and our boundary issues, so we don't waste time trying to negotiate non-negotiable issues. We need to learn to identify what both people really want and need and the different possibilities for working that out. We can learn to be flexible without being too flexible. Committed, intimate relationships mean two people are learning to work together through their problems and conflicts in ways that work in both people's best interest. Today, I will be open to negotiating conflicts I have with people. I will strive for balance without being too submissive or too demanding. I will strive for appropriate flexibility in my problem-solving efforts. Acceptance. Surrender to the moment. Write it out and through. For all it's worth, throw yourself into it. Stop resisting. So much of our anguish is created when we are in resistance. So much relief, release, and change are possible when we accept. Simply accept. And just pause and think of scenarios where fighting it led to more resistance and then accepting the people that you cannot change, the courage to know the one that you can and the wisdom to know that one is me. God, grant me the serenity. We waste our time, expend our energy and make things harder by resisting, repressing and denying. Repressing our thoughts will not make them disappear. Repressing a thought already formed will not make us a better person. Think it, 
Let it come into reality. Then release it. A thought is not forever. If we don't like it, we can think another one or change it. But to do that, we must and accept and release the first thought. Resistance and repression will not change a thing. They will put us at war with our thoughts. We make life harder by resisting and repressing our feelings. No matter how dark, how uncomfortable, how unjustified, how surprising, how inappropriate we might deem our feelings, resisting and repressing them will not free us from them. Doing that will make them worse. They swirl inside us, torment us, make us sick, and make our body ache, compel us to do compulsive things, keep us awake, or put us to sleep. In the final analysis, all that we're really called on to do is accept our feelings by feeling them and saying, yes, this is what I feel. Feelings are for the present moment. The more quickly we can accept a feeling, the more quickly we can move on to the next. This is so awesome. The more quickly we can accept, a, you know, to grow up and, and suppress your feelings for years and think that you can read a book and somehow work your way through it and intellectualize it is crazy. And it reminds me of the Bradshaw quote of, um, is it like intellectualizing your problems is, is, is easy? Doing something about them is, is simple and hard. Oh no, intellectualizing your problems is complex and easy. Doing something about them is simple and hard. Back to this unbelievable reading. Feelings are for the present moment. The more quickly we can accept a feeling, the more quickly we will move on to the next. Resisting or repressing thoughts and feelings does not change us or turn us into the person we want to be or think we should be. It puts us in resistance to reality and makes us repressed. Eventually, it makes us depressed. Resisting events or circumstances in our life does not change things. No matter how undesirable the events or circumstances Maybe acceptance turns us into this person we are and want to be. Acceptance empowers the events and circumstances to turn around for the better. What do we do if we're in resistance in a tug of war with some reality in our life? Accepting our resistance can help us get through that too. That is awesome. Accepting the fact that you know you need to go to that place to intellectualize, for example. Back to the reading. Acceptance does not mean we're giving our approval. It does not mean surrendering to the will and plans of another. It does not mean commitment. It is not forever. It is for the present moment. Acceptance does not make things harder. It makes things easier. Acceptance does not mean we accept abuse or mistreatment. It does mean we forego boundaries, our hopes, dreams, desires, wants, or ourselves. It means we accept what is so we know what to do to take care of ourselves and what boundaries we need to set. It means we accept what is and who we are at the moment so we are free to change and grow. Acceptance and surrender move us forward on this journey. Force does not work. I'm gonna repeat that two more times. Acceptance and surrender move us forward on this journey. Force does not work. Acceptance and surrender move us forward on this journey. Force does not work. Acceptance and surrender, two concepts that hurt the most before we do them. Today, I will practice accepting my present circumstances and myself. I will begin to watch and trust the magic that acceptance can bring into my life and recovery. Wow. 
The next reading comes from ACA's The Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is the critical parent. Judging ourselves harshly for mistakes is the critical parent. Okay, well, that's critic was on fire when I had temporarily misplaced my wallet. Pretty quiet when I found it. Anyways, the criticism we heard growing up, whether it was from our parents, teachers, or others, even other children, became so internalized that we learned to let it define us. This wasn't a conscious decision. It's something that happened gradually. As adults, we carry these shaming messages with us in the form of our own personal inner critical parent. This is why we continue to beat ourselves up when we miss the nuance of the situation or make even the smallest error in judgment. These mistakes might be as simple as walking out the door in front of someone and accidentally cutting them off. Or maybe we're having trouble following a conversation. Our critical inner parent jumps right in with, how could you be so stupid? Or what's wrong with you? When we allow this voice to rule our thoughts, we can second guess almost everything we do. Oh, so true. As we learn in ACA to silence that critical voice, we replace those messages with more loving thoughts that tell us we haven't done anything wrong. We're okay. If we accidentally cut someone off, we apologize and move on. And we realize there could be many reasons why we're not following what someone is saying. Maybe they aren't painting a complete picture. So we can ask them to explain or rephrase. Our new responses show strength and they empower us. On this day, I will practice silencing my critical parent and affirm for myself that I'm human and it's okay to be imperfect. It's crazy, uh, you know, how in detail it is because it's not, it's our parents, teachers, even other children. Like for me, I think I criticized, and it's usually people that, you know, I don't even want approval from, you know, um, or it's it can be arbitrary. So um, I like how it, defines other children. And one of the things that I find myself going to try experiment and work with is just when I find myself, you know, kind of beating myself up, that's not me. That's the critical parent. And I can resign with stay in life. The critic is in the future. It's in the past, rarely in the present. I'm not interested in being in the present. Final reading is also from ACA's Strengthening my recovery, and the topic is step four. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. When we do our step four inventory in the yellow workbook, we see that many of our childhood experiences still seem like fresh wounds. Things that we may have talked about endlessly, even in therapy, take on new meaning when it all suddenly comes together. We notice patterns. We begin to see a way out of the madness. We breathe a little deeper as the pain begins to subside. We trust in the process. We see that others who have gone through this seem lighter and have a flexibility we want. We trust their experience. We notice that this inventory is going deeper than the step work we may have done in other 12-step programs. True, true, true on all of these fronts. You know, it's definitely starting to trust in the process and starting to see glimpses of a way out of the madness. It's just a... It's it's unbelievable. Um, it's just a privilege to read this stuff, really. Back to reading. We're examining issues that we may have minimized before, especially surrounding our feelings. We try to be as fearless as possible. Even though we try not to hold back, we also do not push our inner children to re recount what they're not ready to see. We know we can do another fourth step for the next layer of the onion. On this day, I allow myself to be honest and thorough, welcoming the fact that I'm always 
learning more about myself. And I think that is the gift of four and five. You know, they call step four the shame buster, you know, maybe, you know, decreasing the intensity. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing how much more recovery I'm finding in these rooms for the issues that I thought therapy would address. And really, for the most part, never does. And that's a topic for a different day. So anyways, that concludes today's Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kulwan Saluja reminding myself, as it was in one of the readings, to feel my feelings, to love myself, and to pause, because that is where God is.